were here yesterday. Okay, so thank you for coming back. That means a lot to me. Yeah, and and you're being graceful by appearing today and, and giving us a second chance, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, you know, first time for me to be at Bayshore and to, to get a feel for how these studies uh, tend to operate and go. And um, so that, that was very helpful to me, the experience yesterday. And, uh, you know, technology, you know, it's a study. This is uh, kind of informal, so we're going to be lots of grace with uh, everything that we do. Um, for those that who were not here yesterday, just a brief introduction of myself. Um, my name is Chuck Jacobson. And uh, let's see, I wear three different hats in, in my ministry life, if you will. And the first is my full-time uh, calling. Look who's here. My friend, Noah, good to see you. One of, one of my camp counselors for many years and a camper, Noah Gaffney. And uh, you're doing an internship yeah. locally here. Where at? Perfect. Yeah. And uh, it's great to see you. Uh, so my full-time hat is with an organization called Hockey Ministries International, and we've been around for nearly 50 years now, and uh, our ministry center, spelled C-E-N-T-R-E, um, is in Montreal, Quebec. Um, I'm one of 25 full-time staff members, and my role is to represent the organization in the Michigan area. Um, my ministry focus, hands-on, um, is with the Saginaw Spirit, which is a junior hockey league. Uh, these are elite athletes that are bound for the NHL. That's their dream, and many of them have been tapped on the shoulder already. Uh, some have been drafted, some have signed uh, entry-level contracts with an NHL team even. Um, but I work with them as their chaplain. I, I started in 2008. Kind of an interesting story. I won't get into that at this point, but amazing how God works. You know, I I had never thought being called into ministry would be in the in the missionary to hockey culture, but I absolutely love it. I I, I played pond hockey and my sister's white figure skates when I was a kid. You know, that's, you know, and I couldn't skate well, so they put me in goalie, and I had my catcher's glove, and you know, I still have all my chiclets. Uh, but uh, we're, we're lucky for that. Um, I also serve as chaplain for the Muskegon Lumberjack. It's, uh, Lumberjacks. It's the same age group, but the United States Hockey League. Most of those men are choosing the path to go through NCAA Division I hockey uh, to get to the pros or whatever career that uh, comes about for them. Um, the other big emphasis, really, and really my heart, my passion, was touched at first uh, for HMI through our hockey camps, working with 9- to 17-year-old boys and girls. And uh, before I joined staff, they sent me to Dallas, actually through Dallas, to Texas A&M and College Station in Texas, where I had the chance to observe a hockey camp for the first time. And to see, I was absolutely uh, moved to tears as I stood in chapel the first night. And I thought, they have a worship band. They're going to ask these hockey kids to sing. It ain't going to happen. You know, they're not going to sing. They're not going to. And they sing with uh, joy in their heart. And uh, I was just moved and impressed. And several young people came to accept the gift of salvation through camps. And so this was a real deal. And, and so I've been doing that since 2010. That's my one hat. Uh, second hat is with our local church as an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. It's important for me to stay rooted in.
uh, traditions in my church and theology and church family. So I serve as a care pastor at the Midland Church of the Nazarene. And then my third hat of this past season, the Saginaw Spirit brought me on staff. And I serve as a director of player well-being, which is an incredible opportunity uh, to focus primarily on mental health issues, as well as emotional and social. You know, the physical stuff kind of takes care of itself. Um, at that level, they get a lot of care. But uh, so that's kind of my ministry. It's inside the church, outside the church, in mission fields, and yeah, my wife says, Chuck, make sure, I talked to her on the phone, she said, make sure you tell some of your experiences from hockey because they're, they're fun, uh, but they're also relevant. So, at, you know, when a missionary goes to a foreign land, uh, they often have to take classes in language and learn the language. Yeah, and uh, I didn't have to go to class to learn the language. I had heard much of it before, but... Uh, uh, it is very common, and the young guys will say, you know, they'll see me, they oh, pastor, I'm sorry. Yes. Hey, I'm just a man. I'm not God, and I'm not here to judge, you know. Uh, and so we have to be graceful, you know, and non-judgmental and accepting. And, and so I love that challenge. That's awesome. So this week we're work looking at uh, this picture, right? And, and Jesus says, uh, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And my father, he is the vine dresser, the gardener, the farmer, the, you know, the, the person that takes care of it all. But when we talk about intimacy, um, and, and here's how I kind of came about, uh, if you will. Uh, and this is going to work or it's not going to work. There we go. So... Um, my story. So this is this is my sweet spot in the world. This this is a picture where uh, this is the Cedar River between Gladwin and Harrison, Michigan. Our, our fifth wheel trailer is parked up here in the field, and this is a picnic table we have right by the bank here, and the trout are feeding in a nice hole right here. But <laughs> I didn't tell you where. Good luck finding it. Yeah. Um, so I was sitting there uh, about three, four summers ago. It was four summers ago. And, uh, you know, you slow down, you open God's word, you turn to a passage and, you know, I've, I've heard John 15, 1 through 17, I am the vine and you are the branches and God is, is the, the vine dresser. And, and you read through it and then, you know, hey, I got 10 minutes, I got to get to, you know, meeting guys for coffee or I got to be at work and it's in and out and yeah, I've heard it before, but here I slow down at this spot. And I'm in no hurry to go anywhere. And God really, through the word, spoke to me and just say, stop here. Boom, you know, stop. Pay attention. This is the heart of the Christian faith. This is, this is what we have to learn, and this is what we need to teach. How do we have this abiding presence in Christ and Christ in us? That little word, that two letters, I, N, and, and thus came this you know, hyphenated word intimacy. What does that, I sat there puzzled, to tell you the truth, and I, and I slowed down enough to say, what, is that, what does that really mean? Sure, I know the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Yeah, I got that. And I know this and I know that, but day to day, how do we live out this life? Because of our busyness primarily, in, in our time, right? You know, I'm wearing three hats and I'm driving all over, and how is God abiding in me and, and I in him? And in there is a divine mystery. 
I love that phrase. Because it's like, it's truth, it's in God's scripture, it's tradition, it's a part of our heritage as Christians. There's reason in it where we have to think through it, make sense of it, right? But there's experience. Experiencing that, I think, is an essential ingredient. And so, um, that's a little bit about my experience, and, and I'll share a little bit more. So, those that were here yesterday... Um, you had a homework assignment, quote-unquote test today. Um, and basically, I challenge you to someone share what I asked uh, everybody to do yesterday. Somebody that was here and... In, John 15, verses 1 through 17. Okay, to read through it. Pray before. Pray before. And see what it talks to you about. Yeah, and see. Like, I shared my experience, and my experience was like, focus on it, you know, here we are, and I got my journal right there, and I'm like, you know, writing out my words of confusion and questions, lots of questions, you know, so I would like to hear from as many of you that would like to share, to start us off today, and um, just just sharing, you know, how things went for you yesterday with that assignment, what did you do, um, what spoke to you, any impressions that it made, anything along that line. It's open. Just thank you. All right. So one thing that really stood out to me is in verse two, where it says, "He breaks up every branch in me that does not bear fruit." I've always gone over the "in me," and I always had the thought that it was any like he prunes and he takes care of any branch, but it's not. It's only those in him. So that has stood out to me. And then in verse eleven, where it says, "My joy may be in you, and my joy complete." So my joy isn't. To tell us his joy. Yeah. And he says, I've told you these things so that. Yes. And, and there's, there's a phrase right there that's kind of like, stop, look at this. Here's the reason why he's telling us. So that. Okay. Perfect. And by the way, I have, uh, thanks to Kendall and the camp staff, they, they printed out the passage that we used in the video yesterday, and we'll use it again today. So here's the passage in the Good News Translation. So if you didn't pick one up at the door, we'll pass those about. Thank you for sharing. And, and, and just from a, in, any sense of uh, God's presence in the moment uh, that you experienced, as you read and studied, anything that's special or significant? Don't have to make anything up. I mean, if it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there was five times that it said, remain in me. Three said, I will remain in you. And then there were four that said, if you remain in the vine, if you remain in my love, if you remain in his love. And so, remain in or abide in me is, and when they're listed that many times yeah. in the, the first beginning verses, it's an important thing. Yeah, it's a perfect verse for me. I'm a slow learner, right? Let's repeat the word in like 13 times, and, and we'll, we'll have it. So... Yeah, it's someone else, please. Uh, I shared you with John. Now, abide is in there ten times. All right. And so I uh, Googled it and was pretty fascinated with what it had to say by definition. To accept or act in accordance, a rule, decision, or recommendation, comply with, obey, observe, follow, keep to, hold to, confirm to, adhere to, stick to, stand by, hold, heed, pay attention to, agree to, accede to, acquiesce in, go along with, acknowledge, respect, to remain stable or fixed in a state of love that abided with him in all 
So now we're done for the day. No, that's great. Great. And, and as you did that, lights going off, uh, anything that you felt impressed upon you? It's amazing just to me that one little word can mean so much. Mm. Language is such a thing that God uses. Mm -hmm. it, it, and do we use the word abide yeah. in today's language, really? No. What's it? When's the last time we used that in a daily routine? You know, so it's it's a, a word that stands out. It's different. Uh, the message, I think, uh, Eugene Peterson says, uh, "I will make my home in you, and you'll make your home in me." Right? And he kind of follows that uh, in the message quite often. Uh, this, you know, Christ came to earth and made his home amongst us. Kind of a, a phraseology that he uses. Anybody else, please? Yes. was the abide word, but um, in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Um, and I'll get back to that in a second, but also in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So I stopped there on that abide. There's a whole lot that's happening in that verse itself. But um, that abide, what does that mean to abide? Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about fruit, what does that mean? To stay on the, the, the vine, mm -hmm. to ripen, to mature, um, to become the fruit that is meant to be picked and then used as sustenance to share the gospel with someone else, perhaps. Beautiful. Um, but then going back to that abide in me, this has been something, you know, you always have your little checklist of things that you pray about. Yeah. But my my desire, and I'm sure a lot of us here, our desire is not just to pray for things that we want, but to be so in tune to our creator, our master. Um, the blind person mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that we would Pray in accordance with his will. Perfect. And, and this, this extended metaphor that Jesus uses is just a beautiful, beautiful image for us to, to carry in our minds and to think. Now, I'm not uh, a person that owns a vineyard. I had to go and read about it a little bit and, and try to understand what, what all is taking place here. And I won't get into all of it, but, you know, if we're praying, right, Here's the thing, this branch is connected to the vine, right, right by the jade. And whatever is going to be needed to produce this fruit is going to come through the vine and into the branch and out to where there was foliage and the blossoms that, that turned into the grapes. And just a, what a beautiful, beautiful metaphor of what our relationship with God is called to be like. What... And here's the emphasis, right? When is, when is Jesus telling his disciples this lesson? In the context we looked at yesterday, what time of his journey was it? This is it. I, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm going to go back to the Father. But before I go, let's review. <laughs> let's review the main points. And I'm going to leave you this image, not just for you. But for people in 2000s, right, 2,000 years later, 
that they can understand the special union that I had with you 12 men, you know, as your teacher, as your brother, as someone who loved you so dearly that I'm going to lay my life down for you and for everybody. So this beautiful, beautiful image, you know, and that, that just keeps on going. I mean, most of the time metaphors break down, right? We try to use a, a metaphor, an analogy, some type of allegory to kind of get a message across, and, and they seem to break down at some point in time. This one, uh, I haven't found much where it breaks down, you know, when it, when it describes our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Sir. I was reminded of, I can't remember the author's name, he wrote a book, Jabez's book. Oh, yeah, right. He was speaking on this vine and the branch. Bruce Wilkinson. And, and you probably know the story well, but he, he, he got done speaking on this thing and about, about the part where it says, uh, I'm going to cut off all the branches that don't bear fruit and throw them in fire and burn them. And this guy came up after the meeting and said, uh, I uh, grow grapes. He said, I am a, a vine dresser. And then he says, I don't get the same take on that passage that you do because he says a lot of the vines will grow down low and they're down in the grass and they're covered up and they're dirty and they don't produce any fruit. But the vine dresser's job is to come along and take those branches down there, lift them up, wash off the leaves so they're clean, place them up on the trellis, wherever that is that holds them. Mm -hmm. And he says, so they get the sun and they begin to bear fruit. Mm -hmm. That's what the vine dresser's job is. So I thought, man, that really, that branch didn't get cut off. It right. got cleaned up so that it could produce fruit. Amen. Yeah, okay. well, example, perfect example. Yeah. Um, one thing that, that, that struck me, and, and I studied it before, but, but he gives a, a new command love one another as I have loved. And that's like up in the game because before it was love one another as as you love yourself. Right. And that's kind of suggesting you don't love yourself too much all the time. But uh-huh. this ups the game to love one another as much as Jesus loves us. Yeah. And in that same passage, he also says uh, to this effect, um, I have loved you as my father has loved me. And then he goes, No, I want you to. And that kind of ties into the previous chapter where he talks about having the Holy Spirit because right. that's the only way we can do it. Right on. It is. I mean, humanly, how many of us have tried to love that way on our own will, on our own power? You know? Um, sometimes, it, it, you know, when I do a wedding and, and I share, like, 1 Corinthians 13, I mean, there's a beautiful tie into this passage as well because we just say, you know, for you to love, like 1 Corinthians 13 describes, you got to be plugged into the source of power. You know, I've been married for 38 years, and my wife has had to rely on the Holy Spirit. I don't know, daily, <laughs> hourly. You know, as most of us can relate in a marriage situation. I mean, the grace, the love that that Christ shows to us. So it, it comes into those relationships as well. Now, let me add one thing, and we're going to go here a little bit today. So here's a little bit of a glimpse. Learning to love like Christ and having the power to love like Christ. Is, is one one aspect. And before we get there, at some point, my challenge in my journey has really acknowledging, accepting, and embracing that God loves me that much as an individual, right? 
I think that's pretty human for us. I'm not alone in that regard. But just to hear that, you know, and I sang it as a kid, you know, uh, heard some kids singing it this morning, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know, the Bible tells me so. But to really be, for me to embrace that, right? Because my own self-concept and the psychological things going on in my weird noggin, you know, how can I, how can I be loved by the creator of the universe? That, that's a, a mind-blowing concept to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of things coming to play. You know, take uh, guilt and shame. You know, for example, the, the great lies of our enemy that, that like to say, go hide because he can't love you. You know, you've got blemishes, you've got warts, you're not perfect, you don't have it all together, you, you're not, you know, entirely sanctified. You know, whatever language you want to use, you know, like we have to earn that love somehow. And, and it's a gift. It is just a fact. Mm -hmm. And be so plugged in that all of your ports are full, plugged into God, so that Satan has no port to access to get in. Amen. And if you're plugged in completely, then those lies are easily obvious, mm -hmm. that you can know that it's a lie to Satan. Yeah. So, you know, our concept of love is our human aspect, and so much of that's conditional. Right? We feel we have to be good enough, we have to earn it, we have to deserve it for, for someone to love me, another person to love me. And, and that may or may not be true, uh, depending on the person and, and how you're raised and everything that goes into it. But um, God loves us unconditionally. We are his children and his creation, and no matter you know, where we're at. And so we're going we're gonna to move into that and for our experience tomorrow will be tied in with this embracing God's love concept. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Before we move, I want anybody else that wants to share their experience to please do so. Uh, when I read the scripture, I always think about the conditions. You know, the word yes. If you, if you obey, if you mm -hmm. do what I command. So there's a condition there, if you do. God didn't call us, we had too many fruit inspectors, mm -hmm. not to bear Right. You know, and the reason why is because we're not in him. Right. Right. Learning to uh, be more, uh, you know, knowing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's important to see the if-then statements, right? If you do this, then I will. So there are those conditions that it's beautiful, too, because now we know, right? And it, But it's simple when, when we come back to it. A, to, to do, to, we can't grow these on our own, and be fruitful we have to be you know connected to the vine and all these things coming in that take place into this this growth so it's not it's not something the branch does on its own and there there is where we run into a lot of problems you know we, we try to do I've tried to do ministry stuff on my own and it flops right we, we tried a new start church in Freeland it, it didn't grow but I look back on those years, and they say, we as humans, we're trying to do too much on our own, right? Big, powerful lesson, you know, and um, so, anyways, I, I just, you can see why my experience by the river has opened a floodgate 
so to speak, for all these things to come flowing in. And usually my problem is they're all spinning around in here, like bumping it. And to communicate those, we got to slow down for a week and stop and think. I mean, this is beautiful. So um, what I would like to do, um, so yesterday we put this in context of the farewell discourse, the prologue to the farewell discourse, chapter 13, and then the verse, uh, chapters 14 to 17, everything, and Kendall expressed it really beautifully um, as a summary, just uh, how cool it is to visualize and to see it in one thing rather than just taking 17 chapters or 10 chapters and let's study this, let's see where it fits. Let me challenge you one, one bit further, right? As theologians, we, and we all are because we think of God, that makes us theologians, uh, thoughts of God, we study God. Um, we have to put that farewell discourse into this, my Bible, the whole story of God. And what is he doing in the whole Bible? What is the story of God that, that's taking place? Anybody want to dive into that theology? Yes? Well, reading the scripture this morning, and um, I wanted to focus on the word in, and suddenly I thought of church of the Lord. What is the very first word in the Bible? Amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. Somebody write a note down. Make sure I get that one. I got to add that one in. No, no, that's, that's true. Nothing precedes me. Yeah. Between Genesis 1 and Revelation in the end, what is this journey that, that God is showing us in his holy word? What's the whole point? He loves us. He loves us and a wants a relationship with us. But what happened? <laughs> we, we messed up. We didn't, we didn't obey. Right? Evil, sin entered the world. And, and now, the journey goes through the Israelites and, the, and through the Old Testament. Then Jesus comes and find the final sacrifice for all times so that that can be reconciled, that relationship, we can be reconnected to the vine, right? And this is, this is going into my own experience. But um, so the story of the Bible, put this in the whole context. And let me tell you, this is the fruit. In my own mind, you know what? This is where it's at for us. This is what it boils down to. Are we connected to the vine? Is the Holy Spirit living through us? Are we being prompted, led, nudged, taught, guided, comforted by the Holy Spirit in our lives? Or are we trying to do it on our own? Dare I say, sometimes, you know, when we talk about pruning, um, wow, things, things that... Uh, get in the way of the health of that branch that has to be nipped off by the vine dresser, right? Uh, for his purposes, for his glory. And when we surrender and we're connected to the vine, we're saying, prune me. What is it? What is it that's in the way? Remove it. Get it out of my life. Take care of it. Sometimes that really hurts. Sometimes something that we really love. Sometimes somebody we really love. Sometimes something that's... That's a scary proposition when we say, well, okay, I'm going to surrender to this, this vine. And I know, you know, 
right? I know it can happen. Um, so these ideas are spinning, folks. Uh, last night, my experience. So I've not been at Bayshore camp, and I said, I'll go explore. You know, had dinner, went back to your room, grabbed my Bible, grabbed one of my books. Um, yeah, my phone, because my wife was texting me, so I took this picture. Sunset last night, it was beautiful. You can't see mosquitoes. <laughs> they were there, trust me. Uh, yeah, look at my lights. Uh, so anyways, I'm a waterfall hunter. It's something that has brought me and my sons and friends together over the years. And we do hunt the Saginaw Bay from time to time. And sunset, the ducks start flying. They did last night. But what a beautiful sunset. Great breeze coming offshore. Open God's word and, and, and read this passage. And, and in this, I opened one of my books uh, that I brought with me. And a couple of quotes came up. This is, if you want uh, to write this down, it's uh, another pretty cool book. Lessons from a Venetian vine dresser. Uh, and I can leave this out. You can write it down. Robert Scott Steiner is the author. He's telling a story. He went to Italy, kind of came upon a, a, a vineyard. He's walking through it, and he connects with the vine dresser, and he begins to learn about a vineyard. Yeah, connect with, he's a pastor, right, and he's connecting us to this parable. So this, this concept of God's love, right, I shared a little bit with you about that and kind of my journey. And it, this was, spoke to me last night. It says God doesn't love us because of what we can do for him. He loves us because of who we are. Simple statement, but profound. It was to me. It spoke to my need last night. Um, Christ said, abide in me, and I will abide in you. Get to know who I am, what I stand for, and how much I love you. Can you tell I was a middle child of five kids? <laughs> when you're the middle kid and, and five, you kind of like, love me, love me, notice me. You know, the older one, the younger one, you're just kind of like, go to grandma's house. You know, go, go see grandma. But uh, so we've, I always feel like I, I got to like prove my worth and, and be excellent and do the best. And then God will really love me. And then God will really. But that's, not, that's a lie. Right. I fell for it. It's a lie. Because this is saying he loves us because of who we are. So that was my experience with our assignment last night. Um, and what I'd like to do. So let's get back to, yep, uh, Kendall's going to help me for a second. But two minutes, 44 seconds of video, the passage that's on the sheet in front of you. Just let, Let's just experience seeing it again. And, and we may do this every day, uh, just to give you a heads up, um, because I think it, it's just a powerful thing to watch. And Kendall is on ready. But he is great. And I've told you this now, before it all happens. So that when it does happen, you will believe. I cannot talk with you much longer. Because the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over the world. But the world must now. No, it's good. It's good. And I love you, Father. And that is why I do everything as he commands me. Cut. Let us go from this place. So that was the end of chapter 14. I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. 
He breaks off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And he prunes every branch that does bear fruit. So that it will be clean and bear more fruit. You have been made clean already by the teaching I have given you. Remain united to me. And I will remain united to you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. And you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. Those who do not remain in me are thrown out like a branch and dry up. Such branches are gathered up thrown into the fire, for they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish, and you shall have it. My Father's glory is shown by your bearing much fruit, and in this way you become my disciples. I love you, just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love one another, just as I love you. The greatest love you can have for your friends is to give your life for them, and you are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because servants do not know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends, because I have told you everything I heard from my father. You did not choose me. I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear much fruit, the kind of fruit that endures. And so, the father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. This then, is what I command you. Love one another. Any new insights? Having seen it the second time, and anything come to you? I love you guys sharing. That, 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 that is a, a very special opportunity that's different than uh, preaching or leading a chapel lesson and so by sharing uh, by sharing yeah I'll get with you by sharing with others um, it, it helps register those thoughts in our minds and, and it, it gives meaning to us so please your question earlier about the Bible from Genesis to the end yes Yes. We live our lives as if it's all about us mm. and how God fits into our lives. Mm -hmm. When in fact, the Bible tells us it's all about Him always and how He wants us in Him. He wants yes. to bring us into His story. Yes. And, and not the other I, I appreciate so much you sharing that because that more than ever is a continually. Uh, growing trend in our culture uh, 
you know, child rearing, uh, uh, parenting, uh, school teaching, working with youth, um, entitlement, and those kind of things are, are something that are, is very difficult because it does begin this thought process of it's all about me. And uh, I love my dad to death. He's 85. He, he retired from Spring Harbor like 20 years ago. He's still working for the school, though. And, and raising us up, you know, great, great uh, memories in my head, like driving down the inter interstate at 85 miles an hour and my dad swatting at the boys in the back seat, you know, and um, <laughs> it's not about you. You know, that was one of his great phrases, you know, uh, early on as a kid hearing that. And it's one I repeated to mine. Uh, and it, it was, it's difficult to hear, right? Uh, but it is so true. It's, it's tough love sometimes, but it, it's saying, you know, you're on, you're on life for a purpose, and it's not your own. You know, you're, you're, you have a purpose that, and a design, a plan that God has for you, and it's about him and his story. So beautifully said, and I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Other thoughts? What gets in the way? So, just to rephrase for those that couldn't hear what was said is like the phrase that said, "Without me, you can do nothing." And uh, and you know why? Why do we get hung up on that? I wonder. I, I've got my own thoughts, but I'd like to hear yours. What? Why is it that we try to do things on our own? Yeah, go ahead. It is funny when, when you stop and think about it. Okay, we, we're smarter than God, yeah. And we can be very task-oriented, so we just get the agenda and we go with it. Right, do, 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 active, busy, right? See, our whole culture focuses on independence as like a great yeah. thing. I can do this on my own, I yeah. stand on my own, I, I work on my own. Well, part, that comes from the Bible too, right? I can do all things. <laughs> Part A of, of through Christ who strengthens me. You know. To me, I think it just it just all goes back to the fall. Yeah, there you go. We want to do our own thing. Yeah. We want that's it. We're kind of crazy, aren't we? We're mixed up. Yeah. You did not choose me. I chose you. And, and how amazing that, why on earth would he choose me? Yeah. Why? Mm -hmm. There's no good reason. That's what we think, you know. It's the, those are the lies. Those are the lies that we, we hear. We want to be in control. Amen. We don't want to let anybody else take over the driver's seat. We don't yeah. want any surprises. We want to be in control. Yeah. Funny thing is, though, we do get surprised. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like uh, driving in a foreign land without a GPS and not being able to understand the language. You know, you're going to get lost. It happens when we go on our own way.
Yeah. Let's write a letter. Right? <laughs> Dear Jesus, I have a problem. Yeah. That that too. Yeah. Well, we're smarter than he is, right? Yeah. I think it comes down to pride. There it is. There it is. The the original sin, so to speak. I want to be my own God. The lie of the enemy that said, uh, "Did God really say that you would die if you ate from that tree?" Do you really mean? Do you think he'll really do that? Let's see. Yeah. Do you think he will? Everybody else had the thought, but I see those grapes and I think they've got to get crushed. Yeah. And they made wine. Yeah. And then we have communion. Right. Amazing, huh? Yeah. yeah. And, and for those that understand, I think it's called viticulture uh, and uh, the growing of the vineyard. Uh, even the the concept of grafting another branch into the vine and. Uh, you know, you have to you have to make a cut into the side of the vine for to put another one, another branch in. Uh, there's some, some beautiful things that, that we can visualize with that. I won't have time to get into that this week, but if you, you take a look at some of that language, it's pretty cool. Yeah, amazing. Did you want to say something? Well, I look at pruning altogether different than anybody in this whole room. I think. Okay, go for it. Because I do have grapevines on yes. my farm, and I've pruned apple trees and uh -huh. trees and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm a visual learner. I'm not mm -hmm. a reader learner. Gotcha. I taught myself to read mm -hmm. when I was 40 years old. Wow. Because I had dyslexia. So okay. I, so I taught myself to read. Yep. And when I read this last night, I said, okay, he wants me to pray, open my mind. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been doing that for years after God opened my mind. If I read the Bible, I didn't understand it. Right. I read it, and then it was just like me reading the story. Yeah. But I can tell you when I was 16 years old, I overhauled my first tractor. I put sleeves, pistons, rod bearings, main bearings, you know, everything I did with that tractor. Right. And the seals they put into it, everything they did with my hands. Yeah. So then I started thinking about my grapes at home. Yeah. And I pruned my grapes. Mm -hmm. And I, and then I think about the years I didn't prune the grapes. Okay. This year they're not pruned. Yeah. The difference is, when I prune the grapes, you're letting the sun come in. Yeah. And the fruit produce. And when you don't prune the thing, the birds can get in there, and they'll sit there and start picking up the grapes and eating the grapes, and you're not going to get anything. Mm. And I think, in my mind, I think, well, that's Satan giving you the good life. Because mm -hmm. you're not pruning, mm -hmm. and then that's tearing things apart. You know? Mm -hmm. you know? So, and pruning, to me, I think, well, that hurts. Well, to me, when you prune, that's negative. But when God prunes, it's positive. And he lets the love of the light come in. And when Jesus says there to his disciples, says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you, the light is shining. Amen. Uh, so I look at Praise God. Right? That's beautiful. I, I hope you all heard that. You know, if not, you're gonna have to stand up and tell it again. <laughs> no, it, it, it's beautiful because you know you look at that pruning and, and this 
gentleman in his book talks about it as well in the, in the vine dressers, you know, so where he prunes the branch, you know, um, actually, instead of, you know, one piece coming off, it multiplies, right? He'll, ha he'll have more grapes when he prunes and better grapes, better quality through his tender care and his love through that. And so, yeah, perfect. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, please. Yeah, because we, we don't we don't understand that uh, if we if we're not doing it ourselves with our hands sometimes, so it's foreign to us. So we do have to study. We have to learn and, and dig into it. Um, so we've kind of looked through those passages and just in the interest of time. So um, one of the books I introduced yesterday, um, it's by D. A. Carson, and it's the Farewell Discourse and the Final Prayer of Jesus Christ of Jesus. Um, again, I'll leave that out and you can take a picture of it, write it down, but one of the things that really stuck out as I, I read through this and primarily focused in on this uh, chapter 15 is uh, he, he laid out five, um, five factors of the nature of our intimacy between ourselves and, and Jesus, right? Between Jesus and his followers. And there's five of them and I'm just going to highlight them. Today we'll look a little bit at the first one. And um, our experience is going to come from the first factor today. And it's about the love. Uh, so we're going to look at that for today in our, our assignment. Um, but the other five we'll kind of look at on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, we're kind of building the, the study on, on these factors, right? Because I think they help direct us in. Um, yeah. So we'll just start with that. So, first of all, intimacy that we have between Jesus and ourselves is an intimacy paralleled in some respects by the intimacy between Jesus and his Father. In other words, uh, what, what Jesus talks about, right? I have loved you as the Father has loved me. And so we get this parallel following that Jesus, he, he loves us like God loved him. That union, you know, when we talk the mystery of the divine trinity, right? The, the unity that takes place in that, it's, it's one of those spiritual mysteries that's really hard to, to teach and, and to talk about. And we accept it by faith at some point in time because reason and our, our minds are infinite, right? Uh, are finite. We can't, like, grasp it all and, and really put it into words. I had, I had like, a 10-year-old camper this week. Um, uh uh, okay, I started the story, so now I got to tell the whole thing. So, a player, a pro player, was in from uh, that signed by the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, played at the University of Michigan, and played in Muskegon, where I got to meet him. His name is Cooper Marodi. Cooper is from Brighton, Michigan. So Cooper's been coming as uh, a guest and observing what's going on at camp. All right, now different. 
branches of Christianity and our faith have different approaches to um, how they live their lives out. Growing up in an evangelical, free Methodist, conservative, you know, whatever labels you want to put on it, you know, I'm very used to our approach as a ministry that gives an invitation for somebody to accept God's gift of salvation. Some of our Christian traditions are not that way, and Cooper came from one of those traditions. So he was raised in the church, went, went to a, a Christian a school, but yet, you know, he was brought into the church by the will of his parents and through his baptism and all the things that their tradition says. Fair enough? All right. I respect it. I love it. Uh, no, not a problem. But for him to understand what we're doing at camp was like a real mystery to him. Like, so there, you offered them what? Uh, and, you know, he spoke at my church and he asked what that wooden rail was at the front of the church, right? And, and I explained to them that was an altar, and this is where we lay our lives on the you know, altar for Christ, and we surrender to him. Wow, that's cool. And so he's really open-minded in, in exploring this. Young, young camper came in, he said, uh, came by my room. Cooper was with me, he had just got in. We were just catching up on a year's time past. And he comes by my room and says, I've decided I want to accept that gift. Come on in. Cooper sat on the cooler in my room. I sat on the bed. The youngster sat in a chair. And, and then he started asking questions. But first, before I do, I've got questions. Intellectual questions. One was, so what's the deal with this Trinity thing? I said, well, trust me on this. Scholars have worked on it for 2,000 years, my friends. You know, and some things in life we're going to learn as we go. And probably we'll finish learning when we get to heaven. And it's one of those things we take by faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? We believe, right? What do we believe? By faith of the things we hope for, not seen. And so some of those things, we reach out in faith because God's word is truth. And that's kind of where I landed with him. But we got all done. Um, we, I prayed with him. He prayed the words after me. And, uh, you know, he left. And then Cooper said, wow. You know, I was hoping to ask you, I was wondering how to lead somebody to Christ. I said, you thought this was staged, didn't you? You know, you thought I set this up, but no, this was how it happened. And um, so it, it was a great experience. When we talk here, uh, getting back to this point, we're really looking at this intimacy of Jesus and his Father. Now, this is mind-blowing when you stop and you really think about how God loves me. Not just the fact that he loves me, Right? But how much? How much? And we stop and slow down, and that's going to be your assignment today. Just stop and just slow down and think about Jesus loves me the way that God loved him, and it parallels that in our life. That's a powerful, powerful truth that, uh, you know, I won't, I won't go out to where I was last night, so that'll be open. If anybody wants to use that deck out, you know, past the, the, the dump down there or whatever it is, you know, the garbage. So, number two, uh, intimacy uh, that we share between Jesus and our and followers is far from being individualistic. It is meant to be shared within the warmth of love for other believers, a love that imitates Christ's love for us. Hmm. Okay. 
That's Wednesday. Intimacy, it's an intimacy that's honored by the noun friendship, right? Christ is saying in this passage, right, you are my friends, you're not, no longer my servants. And, and it says, but this friendship is carefully qualified. And this comes back to that, that last point is kind of going into, you know, this buddy-buddy type of, you know, um, maybe, maybe disrespect at some level of how God is, Jesus is my authority. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's majestic. Not necessarily my buddy-buddy, right? You know, like my chum, my best pal. So it's kind of, what does that relationship look like? Now I can say, well, that's the author's thoughts, not mine. But uh, I do believe what he's trying to say. Um, I pushed the wrong arrow. Uh, four, the uh, intimacy that we share is a fruitful intimacy that's grounded ultimately not in our choice of Christ, but in Christ's choice of us. And finally, intimacy whose fruit is the result of prayer under the Christ's lordship. All of us, as branches, have a job. As a, we share the same job as a branch. Right? We, we've got, uh, we're expected to do the same things as a branch. Some branches don't do this, and some branches don't. We all have the same, we share a common mission. And if you're a, vine, a branch on the vine, well, what's your job? Okay, so now we're getting the question, so what is this fruit? Right? What, well, what do you mean, fruit? What's that look like? What is it? So this is like Thursday and Friday somewhere, depending on how things flow. And we'll take a look at what does he mean by fruit in our lives? Is it fruit by the young hockey player that gave his life to Christ? Is it fruit, uh, Galatians, you know, or talks fruit of the Spirit in our life? Is it, so what do you think Jesus was trying to say in this passage? All right, and that'll be a great discussion, I think. How are we doing on time, Tana? Good. Okay. Thank you. All right. I want to read to you, if that's okay, a devotional. I don't often do this. It's kind of rule of thumb. You don't do it when you, when you preach a message. You bring a sermon, right? People fall asleep. But I think you're really going to like this. Uh, written in uh, 18, published in like 1895. So um, Andrew Murray. Uh, he was a missionary pastor in South Africa. And... Uh, um, very well known for his devotional books. They're classics. And if you, if you have a copy of this around, uh, pick it up, read it again and again and again. But, you know, one thing I started doing, uh, because I'm an avid reader, and anywhere I go, if I'm sitting in the Meyer parking lot waiting for my wife, because I refuse to go into Meyer because I worked for them for 20 years, and I start having, like, psychological issues when I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'll be waiting for her, I'll have a book. And one of the things I started doing when I read a book is put the date in that I read it. And maybe the circumstances of why I was reading it again. Like this particular book, uh, one, two, three, four, five, yeah, lots. Because I'm a slow learner, but no, it's beautifully written. And so I want to read day one devotional to you. So this is Abiding in Christ by Andrew Murray. And, uh, there, the youth copy of that is called uh, The True Vine, and that was written for the youth of his day. Uh, 
so he was very much involved with uh, the ministry to young people. And that was really uh, a focus of his. So, first chapter, day one. All you who have come to him. And two Bible references. First is Matthew eleven twenty-eight, where he says, come to me. Three words. And John 15, 4, abide in me. So it's kind of neat to see he starts out the subheading with that because he ties both of those in with this, with this message on day one. It is to you who have heard and responded to the call, come to me, that this new invitation comes, abide in me. The message comes from the same loving Savior. No doubt, you have never regretted responding to his call and coming to him. You experienced that his word was truth. All his promises he fulfilled. He made you a partaker of the blessings and the joy of his love. His welcome was heartfelt. His pardon full and free. His love most sweet and precious, was it not? You more than once at your first coming to him had reason to say, the half was not told to me. So the other half, the abide in me part. So... If you're catching this drift here, he's saying we came to him, we accepted the gift of salvation, we were forgiven, and, and uh, but I didn't know about this other half. I, I came to you, but did I abide? And was I taught that? And dare I say, have we been taught that? Right? And are we teaching others? So, back to the book. And yet, you have had some disappointment as time went on your expectations were not always realized. The blessings you once enjoyed were lost. The love and joy of your first uh, meeting with the, your Savior, instead of deepening, have become faint and weak. And you have wondered why. With such a mighty and loving Savior, your experience of salvation was not a fuller one. The answer is very simple. You wandered away from him. Yeah, it's biblical, right? He didn't move. We did. So, The blessings he bestows are all connected with his come to me and are only to be enjoyed in close fellowship with him. You either did not fully understand or did not rightly remember that the call meant come to me and remain in me. <coughs> this was his object and purpose when he first called you to himself. It was not to refresh you for a few short hours after your conversion with the joy of his love and deliverance and then to send you forth to wander, to wander in sadness and sin. He destined you to something better than a short-lived blessing, to be enjoyed only in times of special earnestness and prayer, and then to pass away as you had to return to the more mundane duties of life. No, indeed. He has prepared for you an abiding, in abiding, dwelling with himself, where your whole life and every moment of it might be spent, and where the work of your daily life might be done as you enjoy unbroken communion with him. This is what he meant when to that first word, come to me, he added, abide in me. Just as earnest and faithful as loving and tender as the compassion contained in the invitation to come was the grace that added a further invitation to abide. As mighty as the attraction 
with which that first word drew you were the bond with which the second, had you but listened to it, would have kept you. And as great as were the blessings associated with coming, so much greater were the treasures to which abiding would have given you access. Notice that he did not say, come to me and abide with me, but abide in me. The relationship was not only to be unbroken, but also intimate and complete. He opened his arms to press you to himself. He opened his heart to welcome you there. He opened up all his divine fullness of life and love and offered to take you up into his fellowship to make you wholly one with him. There was a depth of meaning you have not yet realized in his words, abide in me. And just as earnestly as he cried, come to me, did he plead, had you but noticed, abide in me. Was it the fear of sin and its curse that first drew you to him? The pardon you received on first coming could, with all blessings flowing from it, only be confirmed and fully enjoyed by abiding in him. Was it longing to know and enjoy infinite love that was calling you? The first coming gave but single drops to taste. And I've got this underlined, highlighted with a big exclamation mark in the margin. I'm an active reader. <laughs> it is only abiding that can really satisfy the thirsty soul and enable you to drink the rivers of pleasure that are at his right hand. Was it the weary longing to be set free from the bondage of sin, to become pure and holy, and so find rest, the rest of, of God for the soul that drew you to him? This, too, can only be realized as you abide in him. Only abiding in Jesus gives rest in him. Or if it was the hope of an inheritance in glory and an everlasting home in the presence of the infinite one, the true preparation for this, as well as the taste of its glory in this life, is granted only to those who abide in him. The truth is, there is nothing that moved you to come that does not plead with even greater force. Abide in him. You did well to come, and you'll do better to abide. Mm -hmm. Who would be content after seeking the king's palace to stand up in the door when he is invited in to dwell in the king's presence and share with him in all the glory of his royal life? Let us enter in and abide. And enjoy fully the rich supply of his wondrous love as prepared for us. Now, some of these authors, turn of the century, are quite bold. <laughs> they call it like it is. And if you read uh, Aiden Tozer at all, A.W. Tozer, man, he, he tells it like it is. And, and it speaks, right? So he begins to do some of that here. Chastise, rebuke, um, correct. I fear that there are many who have indeed come to Jesus and he'll yet mournfully confess that they know little of this blessed abiding in him. With some, the reason is that they never fully understood that this was the meaning of the Savior's call. With others, though they heard the word, they did not know 
that such a life of abiding fellowship was possible and within their reach. Others will say that though they did believe that such a life was possible and seek after it, they have not yet discovered the secret of its attainment. And others, alas, will confess that it is their own unfaithfulness that has kept them from enjoying of this blessing. When the Savior would have kept them, they were not found ready to stay. They were not prepared to give up everything and to always only completely identify with Jesus Christ. To all, to all such I come now in the name of Jesus, their Redeemer and mine, with a blessed message, abide in me. In his name I invite them to come, and for a season, meditate with me daily on its meaning, its lessons, its claims, and its promises. I know how many, and to the young believer, how difficult the questions are which suggest themselves in connection with the idea of abiding. There is especially the question to the possibility, in the midst of tiring work and continual distraction, of keeping up, or rather being kept in, abiding communion. I do not attempt to remove all difficulties. This Jesus Christ himself must do by his Holy Spirit. What I will do by the grace of God is to repeat day by day the Master's blessed command, abide in me, until it enters our heart and finds a place there. In the light of Holy Scripture, we should meditate on its meaning until the understanding that gate to the heart opens to grasp something of what it offers and expects. In this way, we will discover the means of its attainment and learn what keeps us from it, what can help us to do it. So we will feel its claims and be completely, excuse me, so we will feel its claims and be compelled to acknowledge that there can be no true allegiance to our King without simply and heartily accepting this important command. So come, fellow believers, and let us day by day place ourselves at his feet and meditate on his word. With an eye fixed on him alone, let us set ourselves in quiet trust before him, waiting to hear his holy voice, the still, small voice that is mightier than the storm that breaks the rocks, breathing its life-giving spirit within us, as he speaks, abide in me. The soul that hears Jesus himself speak the word receives with the word the power to accept and to hold the blessing he offers. Let me offer this and we'll, we'll pray it close. And Kendall, if you'd like to join me for that, that would be great. At the end of each devotional, he offers this uh, a prayer. Today's is this. Would you join me in praying this? And may it please you, blessed Savior, to speak to us. Let each of us truly hear your blessed voice. May the feeling of our deep need and the faith of your wondrous love combined with the sight of the wonderfully blessed life with the sight of our wonderfully blessed life, you are waiting to bestow upon us. Compel us to listen and to obey. As often as you speak, abide in me. 
Let the answer from our heart day by day be even clearer and fuller. Blessed Savior, I do abide in you. precious joy that comes just from finding ourselves sitting at your feet. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Thank you for those quiet opportunities where we can truly enter in and just simply be in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to enter in. And be in your presence. Lord, it's so sweet. We don't want to leave. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to. That that in your amazing mystery of abiding, that you go out with us. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, as we leave this place today, we leave knowing that even though we've walked through that door, yet still we can abide. Mm-hmm. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before you leave, I got here. Homework assignment, right? <laughs> uh, and scrolling down, you're going to find the phrase we're going to focus on. There it is. So verse 9, chapter 15. Jesus says, I love you just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. There's a phrase I want you to find a nice place. It may be even in the recline position, post-nap. That's cool. Uh, we, we teach our young hockey players, Noah's the instructor on napping. So it's important that we rest well. And uh, these are the kind of thoughts as you lay there, like, you know, and you just kind of put in your head. What does that mean, Lord? You know, show me. And then bring your thoughts tomorrow, and we'll kind of start off by hearing from you. I love that, right? I love to hear your experiences. And, and really, what, what came to you through doing that? So thank you very much. Um, my business cards, if you want my contact information, are on the table. Help yourself, and I'd love to hear from you. So thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah.